sibling. How are you doing tonight? Wow, 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 wow. Can we do something special? Why don't we all just stand for just a second? I, um, I felt led by the Spirit that the Lord wants to heal some people. And um, I'm, a, I'm a crazy Pentecostal. I, don't th- I hope you're okay with that. I, I know there's some in the room. If we're going to have a revival night, I, 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 was, I was born into it. I was, I was born into it. My parents got saved in a revival in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the 80s. And then, then we moved to, to Pensacola a week before revival started in 95 at Brownsville. And I was, I was raised all during the Brownsville revival. Then I became the youth pastor there for a few years. And listen, it's just in my DNA to see the Spirit of God move. And so I don't know about you, but I'm expecting something from God tonight. And um, one of the great ways the Lord is moving across the, the nation right now is through healing of people's bodies and healing in people's minds. And even in worship, I just felt, I was like, man, we're so close. I feel like the Lord wants to heal some people. And, and he does it because he's such a good God. And it's actually, there's people in here, you go, well, I don't deserve that healing. It's actually the healing that you experience is the kindness of God that'll lead you to the repentance that you need in your life. So, so you never disqualify yourself. What Jesus did on the cross was enough to qualify you for the healing that you can experience tonight. Because he bore our sins, but he also bore our sickness and our pain on the cross. So I just want us to be a church family. I know this is church family, and I know we have, we have high schoolers and middle schoolers and college students in here tonight. How about this tonight? If you need a healing in your body, what, maybe even in your mind, would you slip a hand up to heaven all over the room? Wow, hundreds of hands raised. Those that are online, I know that you need a healing too. Come on, slip your hand up. If you've got your hand up, can we be the body of Christ? Can someone just slip a hand right on your shoulder right now? Can we pray? I, I, I just believe we're in a room filled with people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Can we pray out, even in our prayer language right now, just pray divine healing in Jesus' name over faith assembly. Lord, I pray that cancer has to go. Lord, those that are dealing with chronic pain, they're gone right now. Lord, somebody walked in here with a headache and the headache is leaving right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with issues throughout their, even in their hearing. Lord, those who are just, it's a battle even with their hearing. I pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, there's some that's been dealing with even a blood disease. It's been, it's been something that's just been crippling them. Lord, heal their body right now. We've claimed the blood of Jesus over every single person that's in this room, those that are watching online, Lord, we believe that you are the God that heals. So we believe and we trust. We pray for those who are battling mental illness right now. Lord, issues of bipolar and depression and anxiety. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I pray freedom and healing over their mind in Jesus' name. Does anybody believe it in faith that we have received our healing? Let's give Jesus 15 seconds of praise. Come on, before we even receive it. Come on, believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't we thankful we serve a God that heals? Amen. You can fist bump your neighbor and be seated, be seated. Well, praise God for that. Thank you, worship team. I'm telling you, I might drive the two hours to get here every week just to hear the worship. Come on, somebody. Can we honor our worship team? Can we honor the team? Such a great job. Well, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your brother from Tampa, and uh, if it wasn't for I-4, I'd be over here a little bit more. So come on, somebody. How many can all just be in agreement that we're just against I-4? 
and let's just fix that to God be the glory. But uh, I really am blessed to be with you. I, I love this church. I love Pastor Johnny. Don't y'all love your pastor? I just love him. I was texting him yesterday and just like, he was so excited and of just what the Lord's doing and just telling me what God's doing. And he said, he goes, Ian, this isn't a normal Wednesday. This is a revival night. I was like, well, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. And so I've got a word from God for you tonight. Open your Bibles if you got them. And I love that we love God's word here. Do we love God's word? I mean, you got to think for centuries, people have died for this word. They have, they have, they have risked their lives for it. We have it plenty plentiful right here in America, but I'm just thankful we get to open and receive from God's word. And what I want you to do is not let the uh, familiarity of this passage rob you of what the Lord wants to do. And the phrase that kept coming to my mind today is this, this might be somebody's regular service, but it's somebody's major breakthrough service. And there's somebody that's here, maybe you've been watching online, and this is the one that's going to change your life forever. So I want us to open God's word. Familiar story, but I hope I'm going to bring some stuff that you've never seen before, because I promise you, you could hear it preached 50 more times, and there's still 50 more things that you can learn from it. But I think there's some insight the Lord's called me to give. Luke chapter 15, Jesus has given a story about two sons. We're going to start in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, ouch, you gotta think of that. Like that's, imagine your kids going, hey, you're not dead, but I want you dead. (laughs) How many know in my day, we would have gotten a thing called a spanking? How many know we probably should bring back some Another lesson for another day. It's not a parenting message, but come on. I believe in some spankings right there. And not long after that, people are like, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, I think it's mean to spank your kids. I'm like, we know you don't spank them. We see your kids in children's church. We know who you are. (laughs) That's not even in my notes, but that's funny right there. (laughs) I'm kidding. I get to leave after this. That's awesome. Not long after that, the younger son got all he had, and he set off in a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. You just guess what that means. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out as a citizen of the country, who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, and when he came to his senses. I I just believe this is the word from God tonight. Somebody is finally going to come to their senses. It's going to be the night that it just finally clicks for you. Somebody's been praying for a child. They finally came to church tonight. You know who you are. And and someone's been praying for you. Maybe maybe your parents aren't even in the room. You came to church tonight and you have no clue. This is the night you're finally going to come to your senses and be all that God's called you to be. And he came to his senses, and it says it like this. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned 
home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. I don't, I don't know what, what picture you have of God in your mind. That's the God that I serve. That when we're a long way off, when we've all messed up, when we've done some stupid stuff, he's a God that's running after us, consumed by love for us. Aren't we thankful that that's the God that we serve today? Amen? If you're taking notes, I'll make it quick tonight. I I believe the word that God gave me is that tonight's the night that it's time to come home for some people. It's time to come home. Now, I'm not about you, but I love home. I love home. I remember when I, when I got married, I got off, got off to college. When I was in college, I was in college in Lakeland, Southeastern, and I, I couldn't wait. I wait, couldn't wait to get home because when I got home, you got mama's cooking and you got, you got your old bed and there's something about just getting home. And then I remember when I got married, you know, I talk about what home used to be like and that's never good, by the way. By the way, let me just encourage some of you that are just kind of new at this thing. When, you, when she cooks you a meal, and it's early days of marriage, when she says, is, is this like the best meatloaf you ever had? Just say yes. <laughs> I mean, my wife, she would try so hard those early days, because I'd brag, man, my mom makes the best casserole. She had this egg casserole, so good. So my wife made me one, and, and this is like first year marriage, and I said, oh, baby, it's good, but it, it's not quite like my mom makes it. How many know it wasn't a good time to be home right there? There was something about going home. Now, now I love to go home. I love to travel and see the world, uh, but I love to go home right now because I, I'll tell you, at my home, I've got my beautiful wife. I've got five little kids. Let me show you a little picture of them just so you know who the Burke family is. That's our five little ones right there. We're crazy. Five children, okay? And they're 10 and under. Let me just tell you how crazy we are. Our first one was born in July. 25 months later, our second one was born in August. 25 months later, our third one was born in September. 25 months later, our fourth one was born in October, and you will never guess it. 25 months later, almost to the day my fifth was born in November, your boy's a planner, ladies and gentlemen. I love home. I love being with the family. I love being there. There's something about being in that family environment, and that's what the family of God is supposed to be like. That's what it's like to be to walk in your purpose and walk in your destiny and walk in the, the, the family and the community that God has for us. But how many know the enemy works overtime of pulling God's children away from the home, away from their calling, away from their purpose? And I think if we're honest today, some of you guys have gotten pulled away. You've gotten a little distracted. You, you've left where you're supposed to be. And God sent me here tonight to just encourage you tonight's tonight for you to come home. And I want us to look at this passage, and I think I'll bring some encouragement for you, but I think it's important to understand kind of the background and the idea of how we get away, because maybe you're not away right now, but I want to warn you of the tactics of the enemy to pull you away from what God has for your life. But I also think there's some that are away and God's gonna have you return tonight. Look at it says. Let me break it down verse by verse. Let's start in verse 12. The younger son said to his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide up the wealth between the sons and a few days later the son packed up all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted. Say wasted. And that's what some people are doing with their life. You're wasting your life away. How does it start? In wild living. What happened? Here's the first point. Ready? Our faith starts to struggle. And I want you to get this. 
This is where the struggle starts. When we start to prioritize the resources from God instead of the relationship with God. I want you to see it. Do you see it in the passage? He says, Father, I want what you got, but I don't want you. And that's what some people's Christianity is all about. Hey, God, I need you to touch my marriage. I need you to bless my finances. I need you to heal my body. But by the way, when it comes to actually a relationship, I don't want that. I just want your stuff. Be very careful that you're not in this transaction going, I want God's stuff, but I don't want him. Because you're missing it. God's not some genie in the bottle to give you the stuff you want on the earth to make you happy. He's the God of the universe that is asking, come under his lordship, submit to him. And by the way, here's a secret, okay? A secret that maybe nobody's told you before. Listen, stop pursuing the stuff. Pursue the Savior. And if you pursue the Savior, you'll never believe it. You'll get the stuff. But you got to pursue him first. It's about him first. It's about going, God, if I don't get anything else, I just need you but that's not what he did. He says, man, I've got to have this. I've got to have, I've got to have the stuff. I've got to have the stuff that's going to make me happy. And here's what it comes down to. I don't think he had a greed problem. I think he had a control problem. Because he probably thought, Dad, I can do this stuff better than you can. If you put it in my hands, I want to be in control. Right now, it's too much. My father controls it. I don't want you to control it. I can control it. And what did he end up doing with his life? Wasted it. Because you were never designed to control your life. Never designed to. Now, I don't know about you. I, I deal with control. Any control freaks? Can we be honest in here? Anybody married to one? Can we just throw a hand up? Come on. Something. Man, there are some hands went up quick. We need to have a marriage conference here at Faith Assembly. We, we deal with control. We all deal with control because we all want it our way. Our way is not the best way. Sin is actually, here's what it is. It's doing life our way instead of God's way. We've overcomplicated this thing. We've made sin a category of list of things. Here's what it is. It's living life your way over God's way. And you've got to decide who's going to control your life. Are you controlling it? And here's my question for you, sir. Ma'am, how's it working out for you? It doesn't work out well. When I take the reins back and try to control it, it's a disaster every single time. We look at the story and we go, how stupid is this? This guy ruined his life. And we've done it time and time and time again. Let me prove it to you. You know you shouldn't have gone back in that relationship. <laughs> but you went right back. And why? God told you, get out of it. You went right back into it. What happened? Disaster. Why? Because we didn't pursue the relationship with God, having him control our life. We wanted it our way. And by the way, hopefully, God, give me your stuff. Give me the blessing, and I'm going to live life my way. And it doesn't work out. It doesn't work. It's always the first step. Let's keep going. Look what it says, verse 14. About the time the money ran out. And let me just say this. Somebody. Somebody is playing around with some kind of major sin. And eventually the fun's gonna run out. Man, I don't know why I feel such a warning to somebody. Somebody is DMing that girl. And it's all fun. 
eventually the fun's going to wear out. Sin always does this. Sin always says it's going to always be fun. It ran out. And a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. That was a very intense moment, but he got it. All right, ready? And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think this man thought this is where it would end up? Do you really think when he got his inheritance and took off to the Las Vegas of the land, do you really think he thought, oh, I can't wait for a few months from now when I'm dirt poor, sitting in a pig's pen, eating the slops left over? Do you really think that's what he thought was going to happen? No. No, and here's why. Ready? Here's number two. Number two. Ready? Because sin always overpromises on fun, but it always underdelivers on fulfillment. Did you get that? And you need to hear this. It's a prophetic warning for somebody's life to let you know that sin always tells you it's going to be grand. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. Nobody will know, and it'll never cost you anything. And it's a lie from the devil himself. It's a lie. I know we live in a world, I know we preach on it here, but we live in a world where nobody wants to talk about sin anymore. And I'm telling you, we need to address it because it's destroying our nation, it's destroying our kids, it's destroying our marriages. We've got to address the fact that sin is destructive. It's destructive, and it's how it works. I've always heard it said this way, and I know you know it, but sin will always take you further than you want to go, Keep you longer than you want to stay and always cost you more than you want to pay. And that's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. It's a fact. So I'm going to teach you a word tonight, all right? So uh, you're, you're Wednesday night Bible uh, church people, so you, you're, you're the deep ones. So I'm going to teach you a word that, that I think will help you, okay? And, and I've, I've taught this around the world. It has been a world-changing thing that's messed up my life since I was about 17 or 18 years old when I heard it for the first time. And it's a Hebrew word. So um, I'm going to teach you it. You might not know any Hebrew words. You'll learn one tonight. Okay, ready? It's going to be fun. And here's the word. The word is aharit, Okay? I'm going to teach it to you. So we got it. There it is. There it is. Aharit. Okay, can we say it out loud? Ready? Aharit. Okay, you got to do a little bit of ah. All right. We're over the COVID days, so let's do it. All right. So let's try it again, but it's aharit. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, very good. Very good. All right. Here's what aharit means. Aharit. If you're taking notes, just write it down. This is a key thing. Ready? It means the end result. The The consequence. Okay, so this, is, this word is all throughout the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's all throughout the Old Testament, but you don't see the word aharit, obviously, because it's in Hebrew. So let me show it to you what it looks like in English, and I'm going to help you. And some of y'all are like, where is he going with this? It'll all make sense in just a few minutes. Look at Proverbs 14. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, if you take those, those three words, in the end, that phrase right there means aharit. That's in the Hebrew. So actually, it's three words in English, one word in, in Hebrew. Does that make sense? He says, in the end, the end result, it leads to death. Like, it seems right, 
but there's death on the other side. The ah reads death. Are you with me? Let me show it to you another one. Okay, this is a big one because Proverbs 5. But by the way, you should read the Proverbs, a proverb of a day every single day. And Proverbs 5 is if you read it every day, the fifth of every month, you'll be reminded of how adultery destroys lives. Because it's, it's all about sexual sin. Verse 1, my son, pay attention to wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Mm, Her speech is smoother than oil. Can we put that in 2023? She slides into your DMs with all the right words. All right, let me just not do it with all these. That guy slides and says the right stuff. Oh, he looks so great. It's so innocent. Verse four, but the aharit, the end, she is bitter as, look at that phrase, gall. What? Like, like the, it doesn't make sense. She's bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Do you see that? It's this idea that, man, it looks great, but if you knew the consequences, oh, it's going to destroy your life. Look at verse 11. And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. Do you see that? Your end result will be terrible. I sat with a pastor even today in my office who Come to find out three or four months ago, I had to approach him. He was a pastor from another, another city, another church. And I had to approach him and, uh, and confront him because of an affair that he was in. Step down, going through the process. And I'll never forget just sitting with him three months ago. I sat with him again today. But sitting with him three months ago, looking at the pain and the anguish as he had to confess to his wife and his four children of the sin that he was in for all this time. And I remember sitting there thinking, if this man knew the aharit of his sin, he would have never even gotten close to it. Never. I don't care how great the relationship felt in the moment, if he could have saw the pain and the heartache. And even today when I was looking at him, I go, if he would have known the struggles of this, there's no way, there's no way he'd get near it. And here's the tactic. I want you to get it. Ready? Your enemy's primary strategy to destroying your life is to deceive you from the aharit, the consequences of your decisions. You don't get anything else, you get that phrase right there. Because there's going to be a time where the enemy is going to try to get you to sell out everything you know is important in your life. And you need to remember, no, 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 no. I want my aharit to be that of blessing, of legacy, of inheritance, of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that honor and respect and a marriage that lasts and ministry that thrives. There can be a good aharit for your life. But you got to remember sin is real and it's destructive. And I just think in my life, if I can remember how I feel after I sin, before I sin, I just wouldn't do it. I can, can we just be real? Let me give you a picture. Okay, I'm, I'm a picture guy. I'm an illustration guy. So I'm going to give you a picture that will help you understand. Because I'm trying to let you see. Because you know how you sin and you just feel like, oh, 
Like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Why did I talk to her that way? Why did I look at that thing? Why did I do that? It feels so gross. Let me give you a visual illustration of it. All right, the visual illustration is this picture. Can we put it up there? There it is. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many just love some hot Krispy Kreme donuts? Don't give me no fake Dunkin' business. Hot Krispy Kreme. I don't know about you. I'm like, my, my bucket list item is put me on the conveyor belt one day. Let me just go underneath that glazed waterfall to God be the glory. Just mouth open. I, I love them until I eat them. Because I don't eat one. I eat like seven. And then I get done and I feel it. I go, oh, that was such a mistake. And what I've realized in life is that Krispy Kreme, I've watched their commercials. They don't advertise the pain in your stomach that happens. They don't advertise that. They don't tell you, hey, if you eat too many of these, you're going to feel terrible. They don't say, hey, by the way, this is going to give you, mess up your sugar and diabetes and all these issues. No. They want you to think, oh, that hot glaze. Some of y'all are going to leave here tonight. Tag me on Instagram, Aaron R. Burke. I want to see you going through that Krispy Kreme drive-thru right there. Come on. Y'all got Jeremiah's out here. Never mind. But remember that sin has consequences. If you're playing around with it right now, run away from it. Listen, I believe the best way for victory over sin is not to fight sin, but to flee from it. Because some of y'all, you keep, you, keep, you keep getting in the battle and you keep dying in this battle because you weren't even supposed to be part of it. Just get away from it as far. We live in a culture that's trying to get as close to the line as possible. And I think God's raising up a group of people who holiness is cool again, purity is cool again. And we say, we're not trying to get as close as we can. We're gonna get as close to Jesus as we can. We're gonna get as filled with the Holy Spirit as we can. We're gonna get as anointed as we can. Remember, sin has consequences. We're almost done. Look at this. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. I'm here dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He got this idea. I just, I know the only place that I can get help in this thing is just to go home. Notice he didn't say, if I just try harder, if I just get another job, if I just, I gotta get away from these pigs and figure it out. He said, the only way to get help is to get back to my father. And I want you to know this. Here, number three, ready? If you wanna get help, you have to come back home. You gotta get back home. You gotta get back into God's presence. You gotta get back in the local church. You gotta get back in moments at the altar. You gotta get back with your small group. You gotta get back to what you know were those days where you were connected with God. You, you got to come back home. You got to be part of his family. And the good thing about this is he sat there and goes, man, even if I'm at the lowest level possible, I'd rather be back with my father. He says this phrase in here, I think it's so incredible. He says, I, 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 I can be even a, a hired servant. 
Like, like there's three different levels of, of, of people in this. They would, they would call different kind of servants. The first is like a bond servant. You know, Paul says we're bond servants. It's, a, it's this idea that you were basically the management. You were like in charge. You had like, we would call this, you were connected with the family so much you had refrigerator rights. You know what I'm talking about? Where you can go over and you can just grab something out of the refrigerator. It's not weird. That's a bond servant. Then there was servants. They were kind of from the outside they reported to the bond servant. They were connected. They, they, they were part of the group, but really not in the family. And then there was a hired servant. That's what he said. Hired servants are what we call 1099 employees. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Like, like you're on the team, but not really. And we don't, we don't know if you really belong. He's like, I can go back home and I'll just, I'll just barely be a hired servant on the outside. But I'm telling you this, and I just want you to, to encourage someone tonight. You come back to Christ, you come back, you might have been out of this, even out of this church for years. You come back, you don't, you don't start as some outside, outcast, back at the bottom. I'm telling you, God's not bringing you back to be some hired servant. He's bringing you back to be part of the family of God, the family of believers. You haven't wasted your life. You haven't messed it all up. God can redeem even those lost days. Galatians, see, you are no longer a slave. You're not in the pig's pen anymore, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, he has also made you an heir. What does that mean? We squandered everything. We come back to Christ, and guess what? We become an heir yet again. Even all the stuff we wasted, all the mistakes we made, God still got good in store for your life. Don't believe the enemy. I'm telling you, you need to believe what God says over your life. Worship team, you can come up. I think this is important. Let's finish it out with this. I wrote it down this way. God didn't save us to be his employee, but to be his family. <laughs> Some of y'all have that family, that servant mentality. I'm just, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Who am I? He says, I'm not worthy. Look what he says. So returning home to his father, while still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And his father took out that belt <laughs> and beat that boy. Because <laughs> how many know that's what I would have done to that kid? <laughs> and that's how you feel like God's going to treat you. So you're reluctant to come back. You were so involved here even at the church and You've messed up. And you think, but if I come back, I'm beat down. You don't know who our God is. You don't know the gospel. Because the gospel is all about restoring sons and daughters that have went away to do some pretty stupid stuff. You go, well, I don't deserve it. He went to his father. I'm not, I, I, can't, I can't do this. But look what his father did. He says, filled with love and compassion he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him here's the last point that I got for you tonight God has not canceled you he has compassion and he runs toward you he runs towards you I love this about our God because no matter how much we've messed up and how much we've screwed up or how low we've fallen all we've got to do is just take a, 
a step towards him. He's in the pig spin and he takes that step towards his, his father. And the Bible says when he was a long way off, the father took off running. The son took a step, but the father did a sprint. I love that about our God, that it all only takes us to take that little step and he sprints towards you and he wraps his arm around you and says, I still got purpose and I still got destiny and I still got forgiveness and I still got healing and there's something still for your life to do. It's the God that we serve. I hope it's changing your perspective of what you think God, who God is, because he's a father that loves us. Let me just end it with this. Look what he says. And his son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. That's necessary, by the way. That's called repentance. Repentance is saying, you know what? I'm not gonna sweep it under the rug. I made a mistake. And you know what that is? That's humility. Saying, you know what? I'm no longer the God of my own life. I'm submitting myself. I made some mistakes. And some of you, you've just messed up and we're gonna have a moment in just a second. We're gonna open up these altars. And you said, Aaron, I just need a fresh start. I just need to come to God. Maybe maybe, maybe I've just had some stuff in my life. I, I, I'm telling you, it takes some humility to get out of your seat and say, I've sinned against heaven, but you know what? I'm coming back to my father. I'm coming back to God tonight. And I think God will meet you right there where he does it. He says, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So where do we get this idea? We walk around all the time, I'm not worthy, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. I get the idea. Even in worship, we're like, God, you're worthy, we're not worthy. Let me just tell you, Jesus did not come to this planet to die for trash. You are unbelievably valuable and unbelievable. You were worth Jesus hanging on the cross. So I don't know who's told you you're not worth anything. Jesus thought you were worth something. Jesus thought your life had value. So when you said, I'm not, I'm not worthy, I've made a mistake. Jesus made you worthy. He says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. I thought about that. I was like, who do you think had the finest robe in the house? You know what he did? He took his robe. That's what salvation is, by the way. Salvation is when we come to Christ and God says, okay, now you're gonna take my robe. My robe is called righteousness. I'm gonna wrap you in righteousness. You are dirty. You've got that pig smell on you, but nobody's gonna see that anymore. You know what they're gonna see when they see you? They're not gonna see the beat up version of you. They're gonna see the one wrapped in righteousness. Even what I had, even though I made no mistakes, that's what they're gonna see in your life because that's what we get when we come to our father. And he says, quick. Give, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and kill the calf. Come on, thank God that they weren't vegetarians. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We've been fattening this calf. We must celebrate the feast, for the son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. Let's close it with this, ready? Let's close it with the whole idea. How long do you think it was before he comes to his father and he repents and he's now in a party. You gotta think, what are we talking about? We're talking about an hour, two hours, three hours? Because we don't get this passage here because we don't have party Christianity. We have what's called penalty box Christianity. You know penalty box? Now in Tampa we have the lightning, so we, we're a victorious team over there in Tampa. Penalty box Christianity is you've made a mistake, so you're gonna have to sit on the side for a long time. 
You sit on the side. You're not worthy of it. You're not worthy, but he's worthy of it. You've messed up, but he hasn't messed up. And here's the good news. We don't have a penalty box God. We have a party God. And the party God says, you come to me and watch how quickly I'll restore what the devil has stolen in your life. Watch how quickly I'll bring to life all that's been dead for that time. Watch how quickly I bring back all that even you wasted. You go, that's too good to be true. That's the gospel right there. You go, well, that seems too, of too good of news. That's why it's grace. Because he gives us what we don't deserve. (laughs) And aren't we thankful for a church?